Okay, let's all now turn to the book of Psalms, as we're going to read Psalm 14, verse 1 through 3. Actually, we're going to read two things in the opening here. We're going to read Psalm, I don't do this very often, you know that. We're going to read Psalm 14, 1 through 3, and Romans 3, 10. So once you open to Psalm 14, 1 through 3, and Romans 3, 10, please stand to honor the reading of God's word. And it says in Psalm 14, 1 through 3, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They all turn aside. Together they become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. And it says in Romans 3.10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Of course, that's what it's quoting. As you may all be seated. God bless and honor the ring of his word. I grew up, believe it or not, <laughs> I grew up loving Peter Pan. I love Peter Pan. I still do. It's one of my favorite one of my favorite fairy tales, if you want to call it that. One of my favorite stories. Love Peter Pan. I still do. I loved the Lost Boys. That was the name of their crew, of their gang. They were very ornery. The ornery the boys. And uh, they did what they wanted to do. Nobody could tell them different. And uh, they did what they wanted to do. There were no adults, no rules, mostly. There were some rules, but not many. In reality, they... Uh, they, they were kind of ornery. They did some things they probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> That's what the Lost Boys did. They were the good guys, as far as the story went. But they were still pretty ornery. They did things they probably shouldn't have done, but they were the good guys. They were ornery. Had no rules, really. And then there were the bad guys. And that was Captain Hook and the Pirates. They were very ornery. They, in fact, you would call them bad, right? But they were very, very ornery. And uh, they both did bad things, both the good guys and the bad guys. The bad guys did far, a little worse because they would kill. They would do horrible things. One side was worse than the other, but both were ornery. One is a little bad, and the other, you know, an honor you'd call it, and one is really bad, very bad. Uh, basically, two sniffs away from downright evil. <laughs> uh, because this is mankind's measurement, mankind's measurement. So the one question that everybody seems to have, uh, I'm good enough though, right? Because people have that, I'm good enough, right? By mankind's measurement, maybe. In fact. On Saturday Night Live, years ago, there was a character uh, called Stuart Smalley. And he was a guy who had low self-esteem. He was very insecure. And he used to look in the mirror and he'd say, I'm good enough. He'd start to convince himself. He'd say, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. And there's a lot, you probably remember that. This, uh, that's what a lot of people say to themselves. I'm good enough. I'm good enough. That's the title of today's sermon. Good enough. Good enough. So this is the question that people have. Am I good enough? Am I good enough? And so we have a measurement, a measurement that people go by. My measurement, your measurement, measurement of people. And so we're going to look at my measurement today. We're talking about my measurement, measurement of Philip Kuntz, that is. And that is mankind's measurement. And so we're going to look at my personal measurement today that I have. This Sister Wilma 
low, uh, had a stick made for me to walk with. And I use it from time to time. I always have other canes as well. But I'm going to walk out here so you can see it. This wonderful stick here that I use, it says Pastor Philip on it. And I love it very well. But we as people have different measurements in our own life that we make. Mine might be different than yours. But we a lot of times have the good. And I'm going to make that measurement right here. The good. And then we have the bad. That's right under my name. Because, of course, I can't be bad. <laughs> and then here's this black mark right here. That's evil. That's, that's uh, ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We all have that measurement in our own life, don't we? Some things we see as good. Some things we see as bad. And some things we see as ugly or evil, as we might see it. On mankind's measurement, we can see this all the time. There's the good. Oh, that's good. That's good. There's, oh, no, no, no. That's bad. And oh, no, that's ugly. That's downright evil. That's bad, bad. That's bad, bad. That's how people see things all the time. That's what they do. And so you can ask yourself if things are good, if things are bad, or if things are ugly by our own measurement. That might be true. That might very well be true. So when we look at good, a lot of times we say, is this good or is this person good or am I good? Good means we treat people nice. We do good deeds and try their very best. And by the way, there are a lot of people that do this. They treat people very good. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's very good to do. There's a lot of people, even lost people, who are good people in our own measurement. They really are. They're not bad people by those measurements. They're not bad at all. They treat people very nice and they do good deeds and they do their very best. But let's see what it says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. We're going to talk more about that here in a moment. But Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works so that no one should boast. See, the world likes to think that they're saving themselves by the good deeds they do. Is it wrong to do nice things? Are, are there people who really do nice things? Sure there are. But it is not of our deeds that we are saved. It's just not. It is not at all. And then there are the bad. The bad, as we were talking about a while ago, of course that's under us, right? Unfortunately, no. We all do bad things. We all sin. The bad meaning make mistakes, lie, before I was saved, of course, I lied all the time. I'd love to tell you I've never lied since. The fact of the matter is I don't lie, but the Holy Spirit has to work on me about that. I don't lie. Sometimes people say, well, I, I do bad things. I've lied. I've slipped and said bad things. I've lost my temper. I've been ornery. I listened to the flesh instead of the spirit. But those are just ornery things. Those are just somewhat bad. That's like those lost boys. They may have done some bad things. Maybe they've said things they shouldn't have said, done things they shouldn't have done, taken things that weren't necessarily this. But that's not really evil. That's not really ugly. That's just somewhat bad. Yeah, by our own measurements, we're not bad people, are we? Not, not by our own measurements. But to God, to God, all things that are wrong are evil. Sin is sin. It's all sin. It's all evil in God's eyes. Let's see what it says in Romans 3.23 when you know what it says. For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. All. Now, I'm going to be honest with you here. I think sometimes Christians go a little crazy on this. And by this, I mean a little legalistic. I've known, I've known people before and talked to them before. And they say, uh, I talked about this, a person. Uh, in fact, yesterday I was talking about a really good man. 
a good man who passed away. I love him dearly, my brother in Christ. He was a good guy, did a lot of good things for people, made a lot of good things, and I love him dearly. Now, he was a good man, but he was also a good man because the good one, Jesus Christ, lived through him, the perfect one. But he was a good man. And while I was telling that, I was talking about all the good things that he himself did. Now, a legalistic person, one who goes a little overboard, would say, no, he's not a good man because he's a sinful man. He, he's, he's, if you haven't for Jesus, he would have gone to hell. We know all that. But some people go overboard with that in the sense that they will say, oh, but there are no such thing as good people. Well, we know that. We know that, that without Christ, we can't get to heaven. We know that. That doesn't mean that people, even lost people, do good things. We know that, too. But are we good enough? Are we good enough? We can't be good enough without Jesus. We know that. But why I say sometimes people go a little overboard, I mean that there's been times I've talked about a good man. Like I've talked about people who've done nice, good things. It's like, yeah, but they're not good. They're really evil because they're not good enough to get to heaven on their own. Yes, but that doesn't mean they don't do good things. When you say a person's a good man, we know what you mean. We don't mean that they're good enough to get to heaven without Jesus. We know that doesn't mean the person's not a good man. In our own measurement, there's a lot of good men. But are they good enough to get to heaven? No. This very week and the weeks before, we've seen a lot of horrible things are happening in Palestine, Ohio. And there's a lot of good men. For instance, this week, whether you like him, whether you don't, Donald Trump went down there and gave a lot of, of the greatest water of all time, Trump water. He gave Trump water to a lot of people. He, get, he even bought, he likes McDonald's. He gave McDonald's food to a lot of people, paid for it. Why? Because that's what a good thing is to do. Does that mean he's perfect? Absolutely not. Without Jesus, he's not going to heaven. I don't know if he knows Jesus or not. I hope he does. The point is, it doesn't mean people don't do good things, but are they good enough to get to heaven without Jesus? Absolutely not. Because of what it says in Romans chapter 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need Jesus. We know that. Yes, we've all done bad things. Not me, Pastor. Yes, us. I was joking when I said bad is under my name. The fact of the matter is, is in reality, if we're honest, it's right here in the midst of our name. We've all done bad. We've all done bad. And then there's that mark way down deep, ugly. If we're honest, because bad, if bad is right there with the ugly, we've done evil because sin is evil. But we put the evil down there. We put the ugly down there, living in really evil sin with no remorse. That's what the ugly is. Hopefully you don't live in evil. Hopefully you don't. That's in our own, our own markings, our own measurement. We have the good, living good lives, even though we are sinners, we live good lives. Or bad, meaning we do some bad things from time to time. Or living in the ugly, living in the evil. There's some people who do that, who go around steal. They take things that they shouldn't. Some people do that, by the way, and they think there's nothing wrong with that. Why? It depends on how you're raised. It depends on if you live in the Word of God. It depends on if you're taught right. Some people do it, they have no remorse whatsoever. We see it on the news every day. People doing drugs. Oh, there's nothing wrong with doing drugs. Some would say, yes, there is, because it takes away the inhibitions, and they do things all the time. They'll steal, they'll kill, they'll rape, they'll do whatever, and they don't think there's anything wrong with that because they have no remorse at all. You could say they don't have any uh, qualms at all. No remorse. It's like they have no morals. We know they don't have the Holy Spirit if they're not saved. But they have no morals. I even know some Christians don't seem to have any morals. Oh, I took that. It didn't belong to me. But that's not stealing, really. Because I pay my taxes. Folks, that has nothing to do with it. 
If you're taking something that doesn't belong to you, it's stealing. God says not to do that. Over and over again. Don't try to make your own rules. Don't use your own measuring stick. We're not to do that. It's ugly in God's eyes. John 3, 19 through 20. Listen to what Jesus said when he was talking to Nicodemus. John chapter 3, 19 through 20. We know John 3, 16. We know all about that. But right after that, he said, this is the verdict, that light has come into the world, talking about himself, light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So they could come to the measurement stick of Christ, but instead they stick to their own they stick to their own, and what does it say in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5? Lean not to thine own understanding. But people do it all the time. I don't think it's so bad. I don't care if you think it's so bad. God says what's right and wrong. And if you are putting your measurement opposite of Jesus, then that is the problem. And I know because I've done it myself in the past, but not now. And I'm never going back to that. Why? Because my measurement stick, as much as I love this stick, and I do, but this measurement stick is not my measurement stick. This helps me walk. You know why? I walk by, this is what it says on the other side, in case you can't see, because it's written in gold. And it has a cross above it and stars all around. This says faith. I don't walk by my own measurement, but I walk by the faith of Jesus. I don't walk in the bad, and I don't walk in the ugly. No, 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 no. Now, don't look at my face when I say the ugly, okay? Don't do that. <laughs> says in Romans 12, 21, do not, become, do not be overcome by evil. And I'm going to say that again, Romans 12, 21. And you can remember that easily because it's 12, put it opposite 21. Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's pretty good, isn't it? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I like that Romans 12, 21 because it does the opposite of that overcome evil with good. Okay, Ecclesiastes 7.20. Remember, remember this is Solomon now. He learned his lesson by the time he got to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 7.20, for there is not a righteous man on earth who only does good but and refrains from sin. He's saying that, talking about doing the, the ugly here, we all mess up. Every single one of us. We can't get to heaven on our own. We can't get to heaven without the Lord. And then there's John. This is 1 John, chapter 1, 8 through 10. I love what it says here. I love what it says. In 1 John, chapter 1, 8 through 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, talking about Jesus, a liar, and his word is not in us. For all of sin, plus the word of the glory of God. We can't go by our own measurement. We have to go by the measurement of Christ. Now let us turn to Romans chapter 3, the whole chapter, verse 1 through 31. We're going to go through Romans chapter 3. What we're going to do here throughout this day, and it won't take too, too long, I hope not. Romans chapter 3, we're going to read through 3 and through chapter 5 eventually. But let's go through chapter 3 here. 
chapter 3 of Romans says, what advantage, first of all know this, that uh, in chapter 2 it talks about circumcision. People a lot of times misunderstand what they're talking about when they're talking about circumcision. Not only is it a medical situation uh, with the cutting of the, of the boy when he's born on the eighth day, usually, and that's not talking just about that law, that rule, it's, that was talking about a promise given unto God. It's talking about showing that they're living unto the Lord. That was a law that God was giving, show, and that showed that they, because men weren't born that way, obviously, but they were showing that they were truly following the Lord God. So back then, that was a promise given unto the Lord God, and people said, this is how we show that we love the Lord, that we're going to do this thing. And that's what they did. But the Lord was showing that not only the Jews who lived by this, but the people who were given to Judaism, now they call it Judaism, but this was showing not just those who had this physical thing, it was showing that it's not people who just live by this religious law, but it's people who give themselves over. So listen to what it says in chapter 3. What advantage then does a Jew have, or what profit is there in circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because the oracles of God were entrusted to them. What, is, what if some did not believe? Would their unbelief nullify the faithfulness of God? God forbid. Let God be true and every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may prevail in your judging. By the way, that's from Psalm 51, verse 4. But if your unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? If God is God unrighteous and taking uh, vengeance, I am speaking in human terms. This is what Paul say. I'm speaking in human terms. God forbid, for then how would God judge the world if through my lie in the truth of God has abounded more to his glory? Why am I still being judged as a sinner? Why not rather say, let us do evil that God that good may come, as we are slanderous accused, slanderously accused, and some claim that we say their condemnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? No, not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin, as it is written. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. They all have turned aside together. They have become worthless. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Their throats are an open grave. With their tongues, they have accused, excuse me, they have used deceit. That's like lying. They, the poison of vipers is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and they do not know the way of peace. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and all the world may be may become accountable to God. Therefore, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, 
For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. This righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all and upon all who believe. And there is no distinction for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God is set forth to be a propitiation, which means atonement, uh, through faith in his blood for a demonstration of his righteousness, because in his forba forbearance, God has passed over the sins previously committed to prove his righteousness at his present time so that he might be just and be the justifier to of him who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the works of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God who shall justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. We Do we then make the law void through faith? God forbid. Instead, we establish the law. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We'll come back to this when we go through chapter 5. But first we need to know this. In Romans chapter 4, in Romans chapter 4, which we're not going to read, but we need to know there's an example, an example given through Abraham. He's talked about the promise received through faith. Abraham went through this establishment. He went through the law. He went through the circumcision. And can you imagine the pain he went through? Praise the Lord we do it through birth, men. Praise the Lord we do it through birth when we don't remember at the eight days old. Because you, Can you imagine Abraham? going through all the men of that age of the adulthood and say, oh, by the way, God told me we have a new law, a new uh, establishment we have to make. We're all going to have to cut ourselves. Oh, my goodness, that would have been a horrible thing. But they did it because they were trying to show that they had made a promise to God and they wanted to show their promise. And by the way, even when they had slaves, by the way, slaves didn't last forever. They usually did a seven-year thing that they had back then. And even their slaves did it because they stayed true to God. And even the people that were their workers or slaves or servants, they stayed true to God, and God didn't say to them, you can't stay with us, you're not a Jew. He didn't say that. He said, you stay true to me, and you'd be with me. And they stayed true to God, because they saw that God's promises were true. And there is one verse which we're going to read in Romans chapter 4, because it says it all. Romans 4, 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his descendants received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness of faith. Our measurement shouldn't be of on our name, of the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's through what? Through faith. Our faith upon the good and the righteousness of Jesus. Because that is what our measurement is on. It's on Jesus, not upon ourselves. Our measurement is to be next to Jesus. This is a six-foot-tall Jesus. Now, we are to be measured next to Christ. Not measurement of foot, because i got four inches on that. But the truth is, is we are to measure ourselves to Jesus Christ, who is perfect in all ways. 
Jesus is perfect in all ways. Always. He never sinned. He never did wrong. Jesus is perfect in all ways. Now, if we measure ourselves to Jesus, many people say, well, I can never be perfect. So why even try to be like Jesus? But the fact of the matter is, is we can never be as perfect as Jesus Christ. He's good for a hug, little one. I see you looking at him. He's good for a hug later on. You can do that very thing. He's good for a hug. Jesus is perfect. He came and lived and died. And he rose again. He didn't stay in the grave. He's perfect. We can never measure up to Jesus. However, Jesus Christ can measure through us. And his perfection can come through us. And that's who we're to measure up to. So many times people look, take their own measuring stick, as I did a while ago, and they say, well, this person can't do this, and they can't do that, like me. If we measure up people to ourselves, first of all, we're imperfect. Well, I may not be able to do this and that, but I'm not as bad as this person. I may not be able to do this and this, but I don't do that. I don't drink. I don't this. I don't that. I've never slapped my wife. I've never done this. I've never said this word. And hey, I may be okay. I don't watch pornography. I may be this and this, but I've never done this and that. I've never had a wreck. I've Listen, you can go all day long. You may not be as bad as this person, but they're not as bad as you in other areas. You know why? Because none of us are perfect. There are none righteous. No, not even one. But there is one who was. And people, I've had people say to me before, oh, except for Jesus, except for Jesus. They was talking about people. Jesus is God. So that doesn't, doesn't fit. Jesus was perfect. Jesus is the one who died on the cross and came up again. We are to look at Christ. Yes, I realize this isn't really him. This is just a measurement to look at. Jesus is perfect in all ways. I look at Jesus every day, not this Jesus, of course, but I look at the real Jesus every day in my life. Every day when I say, I need help with this, and I need help with that. That's probably the fan on me. <laughs> I need help with this in my life, and I need help with that. How can I receive help? Through Jesus Christ, the perfect one. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, helps us. Jesus helps us. We can't do it on our own. So a lot of times people say, well, I can't be perfect, so I might as well not even try it. That's stupid. That's foolish. And that's a, that's a cop-out, quite frankly. That's a cop-out. People cop out all the time, not wanting to be perfect. A lot of times it's a, it's a kind of a childish thing that people do. They try not to be perfect because they know that on their own they can't be. But you're not alone, Christian. You're not alone. Jesus lives within you. The perfect measuring stick. Okay, so maybe we do have problems with our language. Maybe we do have problems with our temperament. Maybe we do have problems with things we watch. Maybe we do have problems with people in our lives who drive us insane in our anger. But guess what? We don't lean upon ourselves or measure upon other people. We measure upon who? Upon Jesus. And Jesus will help us with that. That's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. Jesus will help us each and every day. Because it says in 1 John 3, 5, 1 John 3, 5 says, You know that he was revealed to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. In Jesus there is no sin. And we don't have to worry about it. When we have Jesus Christ with us each and every day, we don't have to worry about it. So you can't do it on your own. But when you look to Jesus Christ, he is with us. Man, I love having him right here with me. I've got to be honest with you, though. This is going to make you laugh. My mom told me he's going to be scary sometimes. And talking about having one this tall. And I said, no, no, no. So yesterday I was setting this up 
And I guess I forgot that I was doing. And I walked to the bathroom, whatever. I'd come back, and I'd be, ah! and I'd forget that it was standing in my, my office, and it would it would uh, scare me. So she got a few laughs out of that. So did my my brothers and them. They thought that was hilarious. Anyhow, the point is, is that we should have Jesus with us all the time, and remember that with Him, all things are possible. We can't be perfect, but the perfect measurement is with us continuously, always. Titus three five. Titus three five. Not by works of righteousness, because we know we can't be, but not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. What did Paul say in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9? He said in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, he said, for by grace you have been saved through faith, as we showed a while ago on that stick, by faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. If we go around thinking about our works, our measuring stick, it's not going to go very far. It's just not. It's good that people do good things. It really is. And we shouldn't condemn people. Like I said, there's some people who get a little legalistic sometimes, like, it doesn't matter if they've done good things. It doesn't matter if they've done good. Well, we should kick people in the teeth and they do good. That's good. Is it good enough is the question. Is it good enough to get them to heaven? No, it's not. Have you ever gone through a drive-thru <laughs> or you've gone into a restaurant and you've had money? Suddenly you realize you're, you're 10 cents short or you're 5 cents short. Is it, is it enough money to get, get your food? No. Sometimes, though, sometimes you have... Really sweet people at that register. Real sweet people. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> sometimes those people say, well, you can't get it. But then sometimes you have people at the register say, wait a minute. And they'll take out their own money. And they'll finish paying for it for you. And you feel kind of bad, but yet you feel like, oh, that's just the kindest thing in the world. Because by grace and kindness, they take care of it for you. You know what? If you went to the register of heaven, and you try to pay for it yourself, you wouldn't even have near enough to get in. You can't do it. But Jesus Christ, through the chains of his blood, paid for all of it, not part, not 10 cents of it, all of it. One time I, I went to buy a movie, really wasn't a great movie, but I went to buy a movie at Walmart and I had to put it back. I didn't have enough money for that and Christmas presents for others. This woman was behind me in line and I was walking back out to my van. This is one I could drive years ago. And uh, this woman come running out to me when I was going up to, out to my van. And she come running out to me and says, here, sir, here, sir, here, sir. She bought that movie for me. It was a Spider-Man movie. And I say that because I see my boy out there wearing Spider-Man. But she ran that out to me. And I just thought that was the sweetest, kindest thing. And I gave her a hug, told her how much I appreciated it, because that was just the kindest thing. Because grace is something we appreciate. Now, I'm using all these examples to tell you that Jesus Christ knew you cannot measure up to the ticket to heaven. His blood can, did, and does. Right now, there's a lot of people doing nice, kind things, and I love you for it. Thank you for it. It's good. But if people think they're going to go to heaven for buying Trump water for the people who need it, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not. It says in Romans 1, 17, 117 Romans it says for it for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written 
The just shall live by faith. We live by faith. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is in Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 10. Boy, Romans is a great book, isn't it? Think about who Paul was speaking to. He's speaking to people who lived through all sorts of false faiths. And he was speaking to people who needed to know. And, and by the way, Paul, Paul was one who had been over there and had been a, uh, a citizen over there. But listen to what he said in Romans 10, 8 through 10. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes unto righteousness, and with your mouth confession is made unto salvation. And this, this is the scripture, this is the scripture that talks about the plan of salvation. I'll say it again. But what does it say? The word is near you in in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith that we preach, that if one confesses with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes in the righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's how you say it. It's with the heart, it's with the mind. It's faith. It's by faith that we are saved. Now, I will go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, in which we will read 21 verses here. Remember, we just read Romans chapter 3 and Romans chapter 4. We just spoke about chapter 4, but listen to what it says in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified by what? By faith. Not by our own works, because we can't do that. So again, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and so we rejoice so we rejoice in hope of the glory of God not only so but we also boast in tribulation knowing that tribulation produces patience patience produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us while we were yet weak in due time Christ died for the ungodly rarely for a righteous man will one die yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us how much more then being now justified by his blood, shall we be saved for wrath through him? For if while we were yet enemy were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life? Furthermore, 
we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Listen to what it says here in verse 12 of chapter 5. It says, Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death has been spread to all men because all have sinned. What does it say? All have sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not counted when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to, Mo to Moses, from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of Adam's sin. In other words, they may not have sinned like Adam, but they still sinned, for all of sin. I've heard people say, hey, I might be bad, but I'm not bad like he was bad, or they were bad. You're still a sinner. We're all sinners. I'm going on from there now. Even though those who had not sinned in the likeness of Adam's sin, who was a type of him, type of the Lord there, who was to come, type of Jesus, but the free gift is not like the trespass, trespass means sin, not like the trespass, for if through the trespass of one man many died, then how much more has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. The gift is not like the result that came through the one who sinned. For the judgment from one sin led to the condemnation, but the free gift which came after many trespasses, after many sins, listen now, after many sins, leads to justification. For if by one man's trespass, death reigned through him, then how much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? You hear that? Death comes because of the sin of one man, Adam. But those who will receive it can receive everlasting life through Jesus Christ, through the measurement of Jesus, not through the measurement of us. We receive sin, we receive death because of, because of Adam, because of the temptation that Satan brought upon Adam. Because what about Eve? Same thing. Mankind, Adam and Eve, they both did it. It don't matter who first. They both took upon the fruit, and they ate it, they ate it, they ate it, like, <laughs> like it was going out of style. They did wrong. And because of that, you're wrong. But because of Jesus Christ, we can be at the right measurement of perfection. Therefore, just as through the trespass of one man, the sin of one man, condemnation, this is verse 18, condemna condemnation for all men, so through the righteousness act of one came justification for the life of all men. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one man, many made righteous righteous but the law entered so that sin might increase but where sin increased grace abounded much more i love verse 21 so that just as sin reigned in death grace might reign through righteousness unto eternal life through jesus christ our lord hallelujah 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 praise the lord praise the lord we don't have to seek the measurement of righteousness through our own measuring stick, but through the measurement of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah.
It says in 1 Corinthians 15.22, listen to this now, you're going to like this. 1 Corinthians 15.22, for as Adam, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. If today at home you have yet to call unto Jesus, call unto Jesus through faith to save me, Lord. I'm dying. I'm dead, spiritually speaking. Save me, Lord. Do so. You can do so today. But Pastor, I've done good things. I'm glad you have. You keep doing good things. But you know what? That's not enough to save you. You're not good enough. Pastor, that's so mean. I know. It sounds mean. It's not mean. It'd be mean if I didn't tell you so. It'd be mean if I told you you were good enough to get to heaven on your own. It'd be mean if I told you and all of you here today that you were good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Doggone it. I love you. And I love you enough to tell you you're not good enough or smart enough to get to heaven without Jesus Christ and his measurement. You're not. The reason why I'm in ending this month on this is because of Jesus' love. Because of the wonderful agape love. If I didn't love people, I would lie to them and tell them, you're so good, you're going to heaven. There's so many churches and ministers around and preachers around right now telling people you're good enough to go to heaven without Christ. That's a lie. I'm not a liar. I learned at the age of seven not to lie anymore. And if I was to lie, the Holy Spirit gives me whoopings, spiritual whoopings, all night long and then some, and I can't live with myself. And praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Lord, for the spiritual whoopings. I can't sleep right. I can't do anything right if I get spiritual whoopings. Maybe you don't get spiritual whoopings. I hope you do. I hope you do. Because why? Because the Lord brings out the spiritual measuring stick. And if you never got a, a whipping with a spiritual measuring stick, well, good luck. Because when you do, you know. You know the difference. You know. And it says in Romans 8, 9, it says in Romans 8, 9, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And it goes on to say, Now if any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And I pray and hope that we no longer measure ourselves to our own understanding, as it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Not to our own understanding, but to the measurement of Jesus Christ. He is perfect in every way. Oh, you are. Perfect in every single way. We should measure ourselves to Jesus Christ. We're not good enough to get to heaven on our own. No matter how good we do it, I hope people do still do good. But not to our own understanding, not to our own measurement, but to the measurement of Jesus. You're not good enough to go to heaven on your own. But with Jesus Christ, and the ticket to heaven, he's good enough to get you in. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Oh, yes, but with Jesus, thank God. I'm saved and I will prevail. Hallelujah. Perhaps today, you want to come forward and join the church. Today's the day to do it. Perhaps today, you feel that you what to call and talk about mistakes you've made. You can do it today. You can call me. We'll talk. Perhaps today you feel like there's something that you just need to pray about. Come forward. It's okay. You can do it today. Perhaps there's something in your life 
that you feel you're not doing good enough. Well, today it can be taken care of. Take it to God, call me, do whatever you feel. But know that you're not good enough to take care of these things on your own, but with God, all things can be done through Jesus Christ. You may not be good enough on your own, but with Jesus Christ, it is good enough. And guess what? Don't listen to Satan either. He says, you're no good. No, 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 no. You are because the good lives within you. That's why there is good in you. Absolutely. I know because I've always beat myself up and said, I'm no good, I'm no good. Yeah, but the good of Jesus is in me. Praise the Lord and is in you. So don't listen to that lie. Are you good enough on your own? No, but you're not on your own. So let's go to the measuring stick of Jesus. Now one last thing we'll read as we close. Romans 6.23, remember this. As we say it so often, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very, very much, Lord. We know that when we try to make our own measurements, we often bail. Not able to reach, not able to reach that pinnacle, Lord. Not able to reach the measurement, Lord, because we're not good enough. But, Lord God, we know that you are. And we know, Lord God, that you will help us to reach it every single day because you are good enough, Lord. We pray that the people here today will reach out to you and allow you to be used in their lives and in my life, Lord. I pray if there's anyone watching, it rather be today or later, that they will call out to you and realize that on their own, they're not good enough, but with you, they are. And I pray, Lord God, that if they're feeling down today, feel like they are no good, but we didn't say that. That's the devil telling them they're no good. But we do good things. It's just that we're not good enough to get to heaven on our own. And I pray that you, Lord God, will shut the ears of them to the enemy and realize that you do good things through them. And I pray for this in your name. I pray, Lord God, if there be anyone who wants to join today, this will be the day that they will. I pray, Lord God, if there be anyone right now who's calling out to you, seeking help, this will be the day they call out to you even more, and you will help them. I pray if there be anyone who doesn't know you, Lord, as their Lord and Savior, this will be the day they call out to you, and that they will now be able to measure themselves towards you and not to themselves. I pray all of this, Lord Jesus Christ, in your holy, precious name. Amen. And amen. <laughs>